Amen. We'll be singing some of those songs in heaven. Amen. We can have our kiddos run downstairs. You can run. It's a good thing to do. to this morning, uh, if that's you, you felt God's pricking your, your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, you want to talk to Tanette even afterwards, she'll pray with you. Don't, don't pray with me, that's her word to you. <laughs> so, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but just know that, to have the confidence that you can clean your house. Do you all understand what she said when she said clean your house? She wasn't talking about getting the vacuum cleaner out and getting the pledge out. She was talking about getting that junk out that you've been holding on to. And uh, God has freedom for that. Tanette, thank you for your boldness in that. Lord, I just thank you today that your word does go forth and it does it returns void. Lord, it doesn't return void. And it accomplishes what it was set out to do. And Lord, I just agree with Tanette today. Lord, I thank you for the power and the freedom that will be as a result of that word. And God, I thank you for the victory, Lord Jesus, that is secure in ours. And that you've given it to us so that we can trample over the enemy the power of the church. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. I love it. I love spontaneousness for the Lord. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Developing holy habits. How many have got some bad habits in here? (laughs) we got some bad habits, but how many know you can get some good habits? And walking this walk of faith requires us to develop good habits. And it requires us not just to do good habits like brush your teeth and all that stuff, but holy habits that God has for us. And I wanted to to throw this out to you today uh, because I'm not going to put up on here the whiteboard. People think habits or developing holy habits. They think we immediately start going into reading your Bible, attending church, and tithing. Can we just say we got all that, Pastor? Can you say that on the count of three? One, two, three. Okay, so you got all that. So, so it's not just that, because 
If it were just that, we would all be in really great shape, wouldn't we? Right? We would all be in really good shape because we all run our Bible, we all tithe, and we all attend church. But how many of you know victory goes a whole lot deeper than that? And you know what? You know, you talk about the mystics, Thomas Merton, all these men of God who literally uh, dove into the things of God and developed maturity in their life and spiritual maturity and fortified. How many of you know, do you know that pre-1900s, a lot of people didn't even know how to read? Do you know that? It was not a good thing. The only people that knew how to read were your very highly educated people. So what do we tell people who are illiterate or people who have speech problems or speech people who when they look at things, they got dyslexia or whatever, do they have an entrance into the kingdom because they can't read 20 paragraphs in five seconds? How many of you felt really guilty because you felt like you didn't read your Bible enough? Didn't pray hard enough? Didn't give enough? Didn't attend church enough. So legalism is really interesting because Paul used a very aggressive term for people diving into the church like that and, and, and piling rule upon rules. I've said this a million times, but Jesus even said, you Pharisees heap rules on people that you can't even keep yourself. And I want us to get back to the place where we enjoy healthy habits in our life and say, you know what, you might not have read your Bible that day, but how many do you know that the, the Word of God is hidden inside your heart? How many of you have had a verse that's come into your mind that God gave you, whether it be through a Bible study, whether it be you picked up something, and all of a sudden you're just rehearsing a thing in the Bible, and you're going over it and over it, and all of a sudden God enlightens something through the power of the Spirit, because you know why? Jesus never leaves you. And He never forsakes you. He lives within you. And so, when you are walking and having a relationship with God, you don't sit in relationship with your spouse. I don't sit there and go, oh man, I was supposed to talk with Ann for an hour today. Ann, we need to sit down and talk more. We only talk for 45 minutes. Our relationship isn't that good. Who does that marriage? Me and my mom were talking. There was back in the day... There's a, a writer who came up with a, a Bible series on could you not tarry with me for an hour? So what we do is we build whole doctrines of prayer because Jesus told his disciples to pray and they fell asleep. How many have fallen asleep praying before? Oh, Lord. Fall asleep in God's arms. What a great idea. Fall asleep praying. Don't hit yourself over the head. Fall asleep praying. Fall asleep singing. Fall asleep celebrating the goodness of God in life. Don't get weighed down by that religious spirit, those religious dogs who tell you you didn't give enough and pray enough and sing loud enough. By golly, we turn this into a crazy exercise, don't we? Hebrews 5.14 says this, though. Turn us around and say, I need to develop some healthy habits. We all got bad habits. I bite my nails on a daily basis, and I bite my nails even more watching my daughter play volleyball and my son play football. John Maxwell says, you will never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. The secret of your success today is going to be found in your daily routine, developing that holy habit with Christ, developing that holy habit of realizing that God is there for you. As you drive down the road, I have told you before, some of my greatest times of prayer have simply been in the shower when I'm putting Old Spice on. da 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 that was an Old Spice jingle there. God's there. Are you practicing holy habits today? Practicing the presence of God? And by the way, I want you to know this, that this is not going to be like three points, step one, do this, step two, do this, and then step three, do that. Because then we get kind of sucked back into that church kind of mindset of what must I do better? How do I, how do I grind this out? What do I do, 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 pastor? And I'm not going to do that. You're going to have to figure out between the Holy Spirit and you what works best for you. Some of you might be going on walks. Some of you might be going on talks. Some of you might be going on drives. You may be doing things differently in relationships, talking to people, God putting you with people in situations. And it's a beautiful thing. Three things I want us to understand are this. Recognize this, though, in your own life when developing holy habits. Recognize that Jesus must increase. He must become more to you. And number two... Recognize that we must slow down. How many know we live in a crazy world? That's fast, fast, fast. And number three, 
We must regain the victory. Hebrews 5.14 says this, Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. How many of you know we need some right and wrong folks in here know the difference between what's right and wrong, what's good and what's evil? We live in a very blended society that tells us what works right for you is good for you. And what doesn't work for you, well, that's for you. And we kind of create our own moral awareness. And how many of you know, listen, you can't get your morality off of Facebook. You must get your morality from the Bible. You must not develop your morality and your sense of definition and going from milk to food substance, you've trained your body. Another translation says practice, and I love how it says practice, and it even says perfect. You can perfect and become mature, come fully mature in, in your life. When a baby comes out of the mother's womb and is born to this world, we don't expect that baby to stay a baby. You know, puppies, how many would love your puppies to stay puppies? People don't realize that that puppy, that beautiful little puppy that's just so cute and yip yippee, turns into like this 120-pound beast in your home that eats more than you and poops more than you do. That dog is fully mature. And the power of the Word of God for you and I today is that Christ wants us to become fully mature on the Word of God. And understanding it. And again, this is no knock. If reading is not your cup of tea, then I challenge you to pop something in the CD player, the MP, whatever you got. Get something from it. Go in there. I hate reading. I told you this, folks. I hate reading. I read because I have to. How many have-to readers are we in this place? That's just me? All right, good. The word perfect means this. And the Greek, teleios which refers to that which has reached an end, that which is finished or complete, perfect with an applied to a person. It signifies consummate soundness and includes the idea of being whole. Here's the idea of perfection for you and I. It means being whole. It doesn't mean being perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we wander off here and go over there. No, God corrects us and changes us, but we have a wholeness, a soundness in our doctrine because we're acquainted with who God is in our life and developing those holy habits, recognizing that he must increase. Mark Buchanan wrote this, To use John the Baptist's language, Jesus becomes greater, I must become less. When John's disciples came to him complaining that Jesus was stealing the limelight, stealing the thunder, John replied, that's how it ought to be. He must only be a groomsman, not the bridegroom. And that Jesus must increase, he must... He said, we're obsessed with ourselves, and we're afraid of ourselves. And part of that fear and that obsession, both the key symptom and the main drug that feeds it, is our need for approval. Me? I'm always an addict. I can scrounge and scavenge approval in all kinds of ways. And when I don't get it, I know how to act like it doesn't matter anyhow. But that's the addiction, the need for Mark to be approved, applauded, sought after, and highly regarded. One of the reasons it's so easy for me, and maybe you, to lose Jesus is that I rarely go looking for him anyhow. I go chasing approval and fleeting rebuke. I'm on a great commission to exalt myself and at the same time completely avoid myself. Jesus must increase in Steve Lapp must decrease. When you think of John the Baptist and how popular he was, John the Baptist, as cutting edge as he was, and as, I mean, can you imagine all the talk in the town about who John the Baptist was? Half the people would have said he's a crazy lunatic, and the other half of people would have said, this guy has got something. I have changed my life. He would go out there eating in, in uh, sackcloth, and he'd be eating locust and honey, looking like a big old hairy man, and he'd come in there and he'd preach words like this, you brood of vipers, he would call Pharisees out. We get a Messiah complex in our situations, don't we? We cater our messages, we cater our gospel to the improvement of your life, to make you a better person. When the whole goal of it is for us to carry our own crosses and that we live a crucified life 
that our lives must go back in the shadows and the glory of God must come forth. That we're to be the least, not the greatest. We're to take the back seat, not the front seat. We're to be those who serve. We're to be those who put our cloth like Jesus did with his disciples and wash their feet as a slave would. We're to be those people. How many are sick of talking about yourselves all day long? Philip Yancey says, One person who never suffered a Messiah complex, an anxiety about having to fix the world, was the Messiah. Jesus took his time. Oh, did he take his time. You think about Jesus, he never thought about himself. And yet he knew full well what his calling on this earth was to do. That he knew his time and his season, and he knew the very reason he came to earth was to die for the sins of man. That was his whole purpose. In fact, Jesus, when he would do healings, he would tell guys, hey, don't tell anybody about this. Jesus wasn't pulling his hair going, oh no, I've got to fix this problem. In fact, Lazarus, when he died, remember that? Jesus, if you would have been here quicker, how many, how many need things quicker in the fast food line? I need it quicker. Now you can order things through an app so that you don't even have to wait in line for things anymore. Everything is quicker. Everything is faster. Jesus, you have got to respond to my problems faster. Don't even raise your hands, but how many of us have got a little mad because we feel like he's lagging a little bit in the prayer answering department? Jesus, you've got to fix my problem. You've got to fix this now, now, now. Do you have a Messiah complex to the problems you're facing right now? Do you have anything right now that you are trying to control and manipulate and fix? Do you have anything right now that you think that's your department? Now, how many of you know we have burdens that we have to carry? I'm not saying that we don't have burdens. I'm not saying, folks, balance this all out. I'm not saying that you don't have loads that God requires that you carry. Each one of us, God has given to us that, that burden, that load we're to carry. But it also says that we're supposed to share carrying each other's loads. So we go through life and we realize that God has given this for my responsibility, but we don't become victimized by that problem. We don't become victimized by that event. We don't get a Messiah complex and say, well, that's all about me. Everybody needs to celebrate me and my life and everything. Folks, we have taken way too many selfies in the spiritual realm for our life. Recognize your need to slow down. One thing that the world's taken from the church, and it's so frustrating, is they've redefined and even used the term meditation. We can't even say meditation anymore without it going to a New Age guru idea. And yet the Bible is the platform by which meditation comes through. In fact, Donald S. Whitney wrote this in his book, while some advocate a kind of meditation in which you do your best to empty your mind, Christian meditation involves filling your mind with God and truth. Isn't that the argument in the world today? Isn't it all about truth, your own truth and your own reality? You know, we get into meditation now and they say, well, then empty your mind. And we do our yoga pose. And we find the beautiful space. Have you noticed that the, the world's gotten loud? It's hard to find some quiet space, isn't it? Jesus would go off and find his quiet space as though he would go off into the wilderness, and the disciples didn't even know where he was. But let me tell you one thing about what meditation is not. Meditation is not about emptying your mind. It's about filling your mind with God's truth for your life. I, David declared it like this. He said, Lord, I dedicate, or I, I meditate on your word day and night. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Why don't you turn there real quick, right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to learn how to meditate the right way. Buddha doesn't know what meditation is. I know it's a really cool religion from the Hollywood standpoint. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Meditation doesn't require you to go to a monastery. It doesn't require even that noise has to go away. It requires that you center yourself on the Word of God. 
Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. It's amazing because what the Jewish people will do, if you see them at the Wailing Wall, have you ever seen the pictures of them and they're putting something in there and they're going like this back and forth? Have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about? What that is is a form of meditation. They actually will groan and they will utter things over and over again and they were just focusing on that and they're going back and forth. I can tell you this. I'm not a Jewish person, but there's been times when I've been in deep prayer where I literally start to just move back and forth and just sitting here like this because the Holy Spirit is filling me and He's also giving me something to say over and over again. I remember in 91, back when I was... A, a, Freshman or sophomore in high school, I was in Mexico, and we were in a sanctuary, we were praying in the sanctuary. I was all by myself going back and forth, and I was in Revelation chapter 21, and all that I could say over and over again was, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, like the angel said. Holy, 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 holy. Recognizing... That my meditation in that moment wasn't getting myself voided, but it was getting Steve Lapp full of the Holy Spirit. Recognizing that it wasn't like the world, emptying yourself and centering yourself on some tree and hugging the tree or petting a dolphin, but it was getting in contact with the creator of the dolphin and the tree. See, what New Age does is it worships your surroundings. And the Christian mystic, the one who celebrates God, looks at those things, the Tanek mums and the Tanek pumpkins, and says that God made those, and isn't God awesome? We look at the sunset, and we see its value, because God is the one who said, let there be light. We see people, and we say, that's an awesome person over there, because they were created in the image of God. And that God declared in Psalm 139, that in my mother's innermost womb, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. There is a recognition when we meditate on your word day and night, we are stirred, and there is a shaking that is involved at the very core of who we are. It's not just doctrine, although doctrine's involved. It's a foundation that no matter what happens around me, I recognize that I need to slow myself down. Turn to somewhere where we can say, slow it down. We have quick devotionals. We have quick messages. We have quick church services. And I'm not knocking all of it. Man, I, I, I'm good. I understand that, man, I can't preach for 40 hours a day. But it's hilarious how we get in our American culture. We're even quick with God. God, you better get it to me now. I better get this quick. And we even got to the point, I know some churches that the pastors actually had to tell the people. They were just coming to church and just drinking coffee. And the pastor admonished the people and said, you get your butt back in the sanctuary because we're hearing preaching the word of God. We can sit in seminars for hours listening to people and have them tell us a bill of sale of junk and how to make more money and do this and get our undergraduate degree and all these things which are fantastic. But when it comes to the Word of God and who He is, we go, I just don't have time for this stuff. How blessed is the man who does not sit and walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Recognize your personal need and my personal need to slow down. Why do we need to slow down? By the way, slowing down doesn't mean that you move to a remote island. And leave all the cares of the world behind. How many would like to do that in here? You can be honest. See, what I found Jesus doing is yet he would go into the wilderness and places and he would escape 
to get time with the Father and fellowship with the Father. He always understood that he needed to enter back into the present day realities and focus on what the Father had called his son to do. And he realized his mission daily wasn't to escape the pain and problems of the world, but it was to understand that I have been created for such a time as this. You were born in your time frame for a reason. You know, I was joking. My wife, her first job here locally was to work at Hallmark, and there's a lady who she worked with, Pat. And it's funny, isn't it funny how more things change and more things stay the same? Talking to this lady, Pat, and she knew us back when we first started dating when Ann moved here. And I was talking to Pat about Rockford and somehow got moving or whatever and things like that. And I said, you know what? Rockford's my home. This is where God's called me. I said, I made a joke, but it was kind of half serious. I said, Pat, if you and I leave Rockford, what's Rockford going to do? You're supposed to laugh really hard there. No. What are they going to do without us? Pat, what are they going to do without us? But you know what? When you understand your place, that you know what? You have an important mission right now in your life. And as you meditate on God and get an understanding of the calling of God for your life, and His Word and how you treasure His Word, you understand that the words you speak, the things that you do, the people that you encounter, even the most boring job you can be doing on a daily basis is the thing that God's called you to, and you can get downright really, really excited. Do you know, believer, you can get really excited and happy with life again, can't you? You can get happy with that. How can we hear His still, small voice when we're in such a hurry? Moses had a problem, too. He was busy. We always think, boy, if I, it was easier for them to hear the voice of God back in that time. They just were, weren't busy. They just didn't have busy stuff going on. They don't have the internet. They were kind of stupid people. Almost like we think they're like cavemen people. God needed to light a burning bush to get Moses' attention. How many of you know, no matter where you are in life, God will get things to light a bush? He'll do something to get your personal attention. Folks, we need to hear the still small voice. I think some things that we need to do, let me just jump on this little bandwagon here for a moment. They're already walking out. No, I'm just kidding. So, social, he's going to hit me afterwards. Um, social media and TV. How many need a little less social media and a little less TV in their life today? Only four people raised their hand. <laughs> Tommy Newberry wrote this. He says, he writes, watching excessive television and overreading the newspaper tends to remind us of what's not going well with the world. Can I get a hearty amen there? <laughs> On the other hand, it provides plenty of material for us to pray about. Do you agree that the profusion of media sources seems to provide an avalanche of information but a clear deficit of wisdom? Watching the news exposes us to lots of problems but very few solutions. I don't know the answer, but how much news do we really need? It's worth pondering. This doesn't mean that to be grateful you have to get rid of your television or stop reading the newspaper. But you could cut back a little bit and see if it makes a positive difference. Try it and judge by the results. Often you will decrease your intake of current events and other timely exposures and increase your ingestion of timeless materials. The result is a palpable difference in your outlook. Our bodies, our minds... We're not meant to scroll through all the global problems and crises every second of the day. We were never meant for that. We were never meant to gather all the information. It was crazy. I think like in, during World War II days, it, it took them like literally a week to get information on an earthquake that happened across the continent. It was, it was so slow. But these people weren't any less of people. In fact, I think their focus is, how many of you know America, we're the most blessed nation in the world, and we're the most grumpiest people in the world. Oh, there's problems. Yes, you went through Starbucks, and they messed up your double soy. Such hurtful problems. We live in an amazing place. We live in an amazing place, folks. And do you know what? If you would just put shelf for a few minutes, me and my wife, this isn't anything, this is, this is just what me and my wife chose to do, so I'm not going to get any stuff because, you know, years ago, me and my wife shelved the whole social media thing and said, you know, we don't have to do that. We haven't missed it. 
And I realize some of us have things, well, I've got cousins in Afghanistan or whatever. Good. You know, you have military people. It's all good. Good information, all that. But what I'm asking you to do with your media outlets and your news watching, oh gosh, the constant news. Did you hear about this problem? Did you hear about that? Folks, I could go up and do a whole mime on the 5 o'clock news on 13 News and I could say, we had former murders and shootings and this and that. We have all these things. And Monday through Friday, I could have the exact same news and it wouldn't be any different. Are we just rehearsing the problems of the world? Are we just speaking what the world speaks and doing as the world does? That's my question. I ask you, just take us, just take a breather from all this stuff for a minute. That's all I'm asking with your holy habits. I'm asking us if we want to change our daily routine as opposed to racing to our phones. And we all race to our phones. Racing to our phones, seeing what Joe did here or there. I just challenge you. Pick up a book, write a journal, and meditate once. Please. I beg of you. Your phone will be there. And you won't miss a cotton-picking thing. Turn to someone and say, you're not missing anything. This is hard for all of us. Trust me. It's hard. Because we don't know how to unplug. We don't know the meaning of real communication. And even when we're communicating with people, we're communicating with other people. You're with Joe right now. Say hi, Joe. I'm sorry, I just use this very common term, Joe. So you're talking with Joe. Forget about Phil for five minutes. Nobody cares about your piece of cake at the restaurant. Nobody cares. I don't. I don't care about your cake. Can you imagine back in the day? Grandma's sitting on the porch, rocking back and forth. She goes, somebody quick, get a picture so I can mail the picture of the cake down the street so they can see my cake real quick. What the heck? What the heck? What are we doing? We're crazy with it. Do you remember, for me, I'm young. I've said this before, but remember answering machines? Wait for the beat. You gotta leave your name. You gotta leave your number. Wait for the beat. So cutting edge that tape was. (laughs) This has nothing to do with anything. My mom and dad came in the other day at the office and they were cleaning their stuff out and they had an old Atari manual with a receipt from J.C. Penney. It was so cool. Just brought me back. Sorry, I had nothing to do with anything. Are we slow enough to slow down and meditate on the Word? Are we slow enough? You know, because what news does, what the media does, the Bible speaks very specifically about grumbling and complaining. Sure does. One of the things that will get my grits in my house is grumbling and complaining. Really gets me. Doesn't it really get, get under your skin when you hear grumbling and complaining? And maybe it doesn't get you as much because that's all you do. But there are people in your life that actually are annoyed with your grumbling and complaining. I want us to challenge something today, and that's an understanding that the maybe, the reason why there's grumbling and complaining, and that we're not happy and that we don't have a sense of joy, is because we digest the junk every day. Folks, it's an old antage, but garbage in. I'm just telling you, you want a holy habit, you're going to have to change your daily habit. And if you're going to sit with scoffers, and if you're going to sit around wicked people that are smelling and looking like the world, by golly, they probably are part of the world. And if you want to smell like it, and if you want to look like it, and you don't want to have a different attitude about life, and you don't want to meditate on God's Word, then keep doing what you're doing, but you will be a grumbling, complaining lunatic in the eyes of those who are not. Now, you'll find a group of people that will champion your causes and have your opinions and your thoughts. 
But until we make a decision to say, I want to be different, God, I don't want to be more like myself. I don't want to be a better version of me. I don't want to improve on this system. I am a broken person in need of a Savior. I need a complete overhaul in my life. I need to be a new person today. Are we slowing down enough to hear his word? You know, because all Jesus needs is one word. Like Tanette did this morning, she comes up and it was just one word. And if that person responds to that, I am telling you their life will be changed forever. Aren't you tired of hearing yourself complain? Aren't you tired of hearing the grumbling going on? Will we begin once again to meditate on His Word? I love the verse of Scripture in Psalm 3.3 that says, Father, you're the lifter of my head. You know, see, one of the things that we do in our life when we get under condemnation and guilt in the church, we get our head down. Please bow your heads and pray. Everything's down. And yet Scripture tells us that He's the lifter of our heads. I don't mind bowing. It's a part of Scripture. That's a God, we bow before God uh, as, a, as, a, as a reverence and awe. But folks, there's also a time where God also lifts our chin up. And I, man, in order to look up to my dad, when I was a kid, I'd look up to my dad and I would raise my hands up for my, my dad to pick me up. I, he would lift my head up. And, and people walk around spiritually in their life with their heads down. And God wants us to have our heads up because that's where the glory is and that's where the new vision and the future for our lives is. Max Lucado writes this, Peace is within reach, not for lack of problems, but because of the presence of the Sovereign Lord. You won't have lack in your problems when you do this. When you start recognizing these things and you start meditating and realizing that you need to slow down and you don't have to fumble through all the latest news and all the headlines of this and that and the world's going to melt next week and all this kind of stuff and you realize that Jesus Christ is on the throne and He is Sovereign, He is Lord of all. Let me remind you today, that Jesus is not panicking on the throne right now going, Oh by golly, what do I do next? Slow down on your communicating, by the way. How many of you have gotten yourself in a little pickle when you over-texted before to someone? You texted someone. It didn't come out right. The verbiage wasn't there. The emoji wasn't the right emoji that you sent. And everything's all messed up now. How many have been there? Can I get an amen? Let let me give you a little bit of tips. I love what uh, Ingrich's, oh gosh, I, the, the great marriage counselor said this. He describes his golden rule of communication as more than a good idea. It's the key to influence over the long haul. As our world becomes more uncivil, I invite you to join me in saying, not on my watch. No more lies. No more verbal assassinations. No more speaking first and thinking later. Can I get an amen there? No more foggy, unedited thinking. If enough of us change our worlds, we might just be able, or enough of us change our worlds, we might just be able to change the world. I challenge you today, if you're in a deep discussion, please don't be in a deep discussion with a text. If you have any thought, please, I challenge you to pray about it before you just throw it up on Facebook. Your great article with everything, and this educated person. If this person has an opinion about something that's opposite the Word of God, I would challenge you to think about it. Not more speak first and then thinking later. James 3, 4, and 5 says this. Look at also the ships. They're so large and they're driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder, rudder Whenever the pilot desires. Our tongue is a really, really, really hard thing to control many times, isn't it? Most of us are devoid of many things. When you make something a priority, when you sacrifice for it, when you give time to it, you know you are devoted to it. God expects Christians to be devoted to prayer, Donald S. Whitney says. I think it's important for us, if we're truly going to slow down and meditate on God's word, we're going to have to devote ourselves to it. It can't be a flippant thing. It can't be something we grab on the back of our toilet stall. It can't be something that's just an afterthought. We must fully recognize and say that this holy habit I'm developing is something that I am dedicated to. 
Number three, regain the victory. Many of us are walking around in life defeated. That's the other thing that gets my grits. Erwin McManus writes, I wonder how many victories are lost before the battle has even begun. I wonder how much more good God desires to usher into the world that has been thwarted by my own lack of ambition. I wonder how many times in my own life I thought I failed, but actually the only thing that happened was that I quit. Think about that in your own life right now. How many of us have, have walked through life and we just thought we just completely failed in that thing? And God says, listen, don't quit. And really what in actuality happens many times is we quit on it. We, we quit on it. We give up on it. Folks, don't give up. Hit someone real quick and say, don't give up. Don't quit. I'm the quitter of all quitters when it comes to sports. Me and my wife will go to games. I'm the Mr. Bottom of the Eighth guy when we're down two runs saying, it's over. Got to go. And last time we went in, like, we are standing for the whole game, Steve. <laughs> part of it is, I just don't want to mess with traffic. The other part is, it's, it's over. But, uh, but we can't quit. And we watch the game with me, and I'll get into that mode of like, oh, gosh, was, come on, Cubs, come on. I'm a Cubs fan. I don't know if you knew that. but uh, yeah, Come on. And Ann's like, Steve, it's going to happen. Don't give up. I think one of my textbook pictures, it was hilarious. I took Hunter to the game. We left. It was the bottom of the eighth. It was like three to two, and our picture was in front of the sign at Wrigley. And like, Steve, the game's not even over yet. I'm like, I asked him if he wanted to go. He said, sure. Herman no. <laughs> McManus says, instead of pressing the limits of what God could do in and through our lives, we assume his intention for us is less. So we settle for what we can do rather than what God intended to do through us. Folks, you're going to have your own physical limitations, but I want you to know we don't serve a God who works within our limitations. God will always call you to do things outside of your limits. You put your own limits on, but God hasn't. You put your own limits on where your life is now, and you've collected all your thoughts, and we're working with our future now based on our past, but Paul said it beautifully. He said, I forget the past, and I move towards the things that are a high call of God for my life. How many of you know it's really hard to move past some of those past thoughts? It's really hard to regain victory when you're in a defeated mindset. There's an energy thing that you have to start stirring up and realize that I have the victory. For greater is he who is in me. Don't say it so victorious. Greater is he that is in me. Let's start pressing our limits. With the word of God, I wonder if we lack ambition. Do we lack in, we don't lack ambition in our church, but is there things in our life where we say we just simply can't do? I, I think of how church sometimes gets established and it gets going and, and people come in with a great business plan and knowledge of what they're to do. And you know, how many of you know that God sometimes does things that will blow all the rationale off what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to be thinking, how you're supposed to be reacting, and God says, forget all the boundaries and break through them to the things of God for your life. Peter, God, is it, can I walk on the water? Come out! Samson, one of the greatest Examples of abusing power and taking advantage of the grace of God in his call. Is there, he's blind, he plucked his eyes out, his hair's cut, and all he's doing is grinding at the millstone over and over again. But one thing that's really awesome with Samson is God didn't forget about Samson, and Samson didn't forget about his God. So he's pushing, he's going, and they're mocking him, and they're telling Samson who he used to be. And Samson in the last moment puts one hand on one pillar and the other hand on the other pillar and he says, just one more time. And more lives were destroyed and more destruction happened to the Philistines in that moment than any other thing that Samson had ever done. In that one moment. And I know you've placed boundaries over your mind and over your head based on the failures and based on the pragmatism and based on what the doctor said about this and based on what your finances are and based on everything else. But don't give up.
He's working in and through you to his greater pleasure. And he's going to do wonderful things. Mike, if you just want to come up here and start playing. I want you to know that today, holy habits, you say, well, what are my holy habits? What am I supposed to start doing? Do what God calls you to do. One thing would be a good idea spiritually is to get off your job. That would be a good thing to do first. Stand up. You know, we're in a standing, you know, work workstations have the stand-up stuff now where you can stand and work and not sit down. You stand and you're kind of active and we have the walking things. I have it on my watch. I'll check to see how many steps I did. But folks, it'd be a good thing for us to start thinking with that kind of mindset that kingdom God. That I want all the energy and everything I do to be focused on one thing, that my life is giving glory to God. And that my habits, whatever they may be that are bad, I don't want us to focus on the bad habits, folks. I want us to focus on the good habits right now that you can have. Forget about it. We all have bad habits. We've all got things and tendencies that we do. But I want you to read, read, readdress and say, you know what? I'm not going to spend so much time with the TV and the media and all the madness. It's all madness anyways. But just develop some holy habits. Honestly, and I say this with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Maybe you were condemned under religion. Maybe your impression of the Spirit of God and who He is is a man with a whip, just whipping you into place. And I want to tell you that it's exactly the opposite. He is a God of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. May you be refreshed today with the understanding of His presence and may you have a touch that you've never had before. And the things that you sought before to get to the answers in life now become the one solution. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today, you might be sitting here and realize that, boy, you had a whole lot of religion. But that's about all it was. You did a lot of reading, done a lot of praying, done a lot of churching. But you haven't experienced the presence and the goodness of Jesus in your life, who frees you of every bondage, whose yoke is easy and burden is light. And he says, come unto me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will give you something that you could never dream of. I will give you visions and dreams and a future. Many of us have run to people to read our futures. They're sitting in downtown yesterday, the tarot card readers, and I laughed. I just want to go over to them and say, hey, I know the guy who knows all the future, everything, and he knows your future. Today, I want you to know that God knows your future. And as you develop the holy habits for your life, and you start to change things up, that God will show himself mighty to you, mighty to save. Today, First things first, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is a private moment between you and God. You say, you know what, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have some church, I have situations and everything that I'm doing, but I don't know Jesus. I don't have him as my friend, my Savior, my Lord. And today you want to know him. If you want to know him today, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Why don't we all pray this together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your presence in my life. I thank you, God, that you haven't quit on me, that your mercy is new every day for my life. I give you me today. I give you my heart. Fill my life. Thank you for the great future. I leave all the junk behind. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, you say, you know what? I don't know what the holy habit is, but you can know specifically how God is dealing with you. And you say, God is moving me into this. This new season, this new place. Maybe you've not been acquainted with it. You've done all the religious stuff. 
all the treadmill stuff. And God is putting you out into the wilderness, driving you there and showing you that, listen, he's got great things for you, deeper things for you, so we can perfect the faith that God has placed in you. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye, or every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to raise your hand today, I want to pray with you if God is speaking to you in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for speaking to me. Help me to grow in my faith. Help me to mature and to get past all the surfacey church stuff. I trust you, God. You are more than enough. And I allow you to help me change these habits. To make good habits. To make holy habits. Thank you, God. Speak to me. As I drive. As I clean. As I work. I open my mind. I open my eyes. I open my ears to hear what it is you're saying. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. For sure. Let's do that. Do you want to pray or you want me to pray? Okay. Lord, I just thank you so much. Father, for all you do in our lives. Lord, for all the all the stuff going on down in Houston and Florida and Texas and all those areas. Lord, I, I just pray right now, Father, that you're you're I know you're sending help, but God, I just thank you for the churches that have come alive, uh, just helping down there, Samaritan's Purse, Red Cross. Lord, I just know even individuals who literally drop what they're doing just to go down there to help. And Father. I just pray, God, that you would just help people in rebuilding their lives. We thank you for this great nation. And, God, I just pray uh, just people's lives and families to be restored from the devastation. God, we pray blessing over that ministry that's going down, and all the ministries that have been helping even down there all along. And, Lord, we just pray that you would do a mighty, mighty work of restoration through people's health and building and skills and just repairing damaged lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Folks, I love you very much. And uh, don't forget, but I forgot to announce, Women's Bible Study, Monday night, 6.30 at Perp's house. If you want to talk to her, she's in the cafe right now. But if you want to go to Women's Bible Study, uh, that's uh, second week now already. And the Men's Bible Study is starting Tuesday night, 6.30. So men, we'd love to have you come as well. But God bless you really good. Enjoy this wonderful summer weather. We love you.